Welcome to season five on The Sofa with Victoria, where household names and rising stars will be discussing the latest trends and themes in crime fiction. I'm Victoria Selman, best-selling author of the Zebra McKenzie series, Truly Darkly Deeply, and my latest thriller, All the Little Liars, a true crime-inspired story of toxic friendship that asks, how far would you go to belong? It was a case that shocked the nation, rocked our town to its roots, put it on the map for all the wrong reasons. As the details emerged, strangers hashed over the particulars waiting in line at supermarkets and Starbucks, shook their heads at the horror of it all, at the terrible tragedy. On each of their faces, the same expressions of slack-jawed disbelief, and perhaps a certain ghoulish delight, too. How could such a thing happen? They asked. Here, in our neighborhood. A neighborhood like this. Today I'm on the sofa with three fabulous psychological suspense authors, Lauren North, Leslie Cara, and Nikki Mackay, to discuss the enduring popularity of a genre we keep being told has had its day. My guests and I will be looking at what the genre is all about, how it's evolving and needs to evolve, and what the sort of covers and titles that scream psychological suspense. Welcome, ladies. Thank you for joining me on the sofa. Hi. Hello. Lovely to have you all. Lauren, your novels delve into the dark side of relationships, don't they? Both friends and, of course, family. And I wondered what drew you to that particular aspect of psychological thrillers. Um, Well, I think like a lot of writers, I have quite a dark imagination. So I think it's a lot of cases of what would happen to me and my family and my children. And and that always sort of comes out in the books. So so my themes are always very close to home, which makes them quite um, hard to write. But also um, I think I get the emotions, right? Because in my head, I'm like, it's my child that's missing. (laughs) That's so interesting, isn't it? And I think that's right with psychological suspense. We do possibly with more than with any other genre, put ourselves into our protagonist's I mean, of course, any novel puts yourself into the shoes of the protagonist, but it's different, isn't it? We do draw from our own experiences in, in a different way, perhaps. Yeah, we do, don't we? And I think that that um, comes across so well. Um, but I, I really love thrillers for um, just you don't know what's going to come around the corner as well. So you do take you start with like something that's sort of a nugget of your own life and yes. it just grows and grows into what yeah. if, what if, what if. What if? It's and what you know, if. it's about them pulling the rug out from under the yes. reader, which I just find so much fun. I, I do love it when uh, you sort of get a message saying, oh, I'm 40% through and it's this. And you're like, ha, 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 you've got no idea. <laughs> wow. Yes, exactly. And maybe that is part of the appeal, the idea that you we've, it could be a situation any of us could be in, but then perhaps that's what draws the reader in so much that they can sort of relate and identify in a different way, perhaps. Yeah, it's absolutely true. And Leslie, we had um, Sam Holland on the um, podcast, didn't we, in Spence? And she talked about how, which is a really interesting concept that I hadn't thought about, was how it's there's a safety in a danger in a book. So there's it's quite scary in real life when you're walking down the street in the dark and you have to hold your keys in your hand and you're actually really scared. But yes. to read it in 
in a book to feel that fear in a safe environment and um, yes. it's it's a quite an appealing thing so I think that's um an, a great appeal for thrillers isn't it it's to live yeah. that danger but safely yeah I call it roller coaster syndrome this idea that we can just you know you feel terrified don't you on a roller coaster but you know you're strapped oh, in so clever, you yes. yeah exactly and Leslie, you're, of course, you're not just a Sunday Times bestseller and an Amazon number one bestseller. But you're, and this is fabulous. Your debut novel, The Rumour, which I absolutely loved, I remember devouring when it came out, was, of course, also the highest selling print, gosh, big, big, big uh, sentence here, highest selling print crime fiction debut when it came out in 2019. So how amazing is that? But I wondered what, I mean, picking up a little bit on what Lauren said, perhaps about how these are situations we could be in, but we have a different element to them. I wonder what it is about psychological thrillers that readers just love so much. And clearly you've hit the nail on the head with your <laughs> with your novel. I think we have a morbid curiosity as human beings to, you know, in, in violence and criminality and deviance and and even not just such extreme things, but just that moral ambiguity that all our characters have. Yes. And um, yeah, I, I think that's sort of innate in us, isn't it? And, and, you know, thrillers engage our intellect too, don't they? Because we we like to solve a puzzle. I always get frustrated with my husband when we're watching a crime drama on the TV and I'm saying things like, oh, what? Oh, I think maybe she's done this or he's... And he says, shut up. He says, why are you overanalyzing it? But I think that's that's the kind of reader I am. I like to second guess all yes, the time. Yes, and by the way, surely your husband would do that too. <laughs> I think yeah, we need to have a word he, with he him. Likes, he likes to watch it in complete silence, so I have to shut up now, oh, and I must yeah. voice any of my. That's and even after, he doesn't like to discuss it afterwards. You know, so yeah. Anyway, ambiguity <laughs> is. I mean, you're right. That's that's definitely an appeal. In fact, Nikki and I were talking the other day about um, the kind of characters that people love, and she was saying that she loves to write. Nikki, I'm putting words into your mouth now. Are you like. Uh -huh. Prickly, prickly female characters, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I do, and wow. I do. Um, yeah, I, I really do. And my favourite book that I wrote was Found Her, and I loved Eve, my main character, and everybody absolutely hated her. But you know, but it's a love to hate, isn't it? It's like they draw you I in. It's so, I mean, it's still, it's my best. It is my best-selling book, and I do sort of, um, yeah, spiky female characters are definitely, but they're the kind of women I'm friends with in real life. Hey, hey, we're friends. <laughs> don't say that. I'm trying. <laughs> Um, let's let's talk about your new novel, Nikki. So it's uh, the due date, and of course, yeah. centres around um, a friendship. It's, it's fabulous. I was trying to condense it into two lines. It's very difficult. It's, it's a fabulous, uh, twisty plot, but ultimately, it centres around a friendship forged between two pregnant women, Ali and Rebecca, doesn't it? And after their due dates pass, there's there's a period where they there's a disconnect, but then they meet up, and Rebecca denies ever having been pregnant. Or in fact, meeting Ali at all, and just—I mean, reading that blurb, you have a little shiver, don't you, down your spine? But what's interesting as well to me, from my, I guess the writer point of view, is described as having a mind blown twist. Um, and of course, so many psychological thrillers hinge, don't they, on this idea of a, a really big twist? And I wonder what is it about the twist that's so important, particularly to this genre? Do you think? Um, I think, I don't know, like I grew up reading, I suppose, Nikki French was big. I was a teenager in the 90s. You know, I came I came to crime um, through horror novels, picked up my mum's Ruth Wendell's, but then I got to like Nikki French, Manette Walters, and I loved those like thrillers. Um, I don't know if anyone remembers The Sculptress. I haven't read that. I think it was Minette Walton, it was telephones with Pauline Quote, but it had one of those, oh my God, twists. So you thought that the character was one thing the whole way through, 
this woman in prison, you feel really um, empathetic towards her. And the Skull's Bride, I think that was also, I mean, it was, so I think those twists are what I grew up reading and um, and I love them. And I still, I mean, I will pick up a book on the basis of how the hell is the writer going to write their way out of this a lot of the time. <laughs> and again, maybe that's the puzzle element, Leslie, that you were yeah. talking about as yeah, well. Yeah, I think so. And those twists and turns, they keep the adrenaline flowing, don't they? They keep the reader engaged and sort of activate a part of our brains that isn't usually stimulated and I think we love to be blindsided don't we well I certainly do when I'm reading I love that sort of sudden revelation or twist I know they're not quite the same thing but you know they're 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 similar aren't they that we're taken by surprise and I think that that's we have to be even more ever more inventive now I think that's what I was thinking I was um you know listening to your interview recently I think you did one with David Baldacci didn't you and Greg was it Greg Hoets and they were talking about how to keep sort of thrillers fresh and exciting and things and I think that's the thing with psychological thrillers now because there are so many out there yeah. everything seems to have been done yes coming up with all these ideas and new twists and hooks and things yeah. and it puts a bit of a pressure on you it puts a bit of a pressure on me for for sure um but there is a uh, feeling that they've all been used up sometimes isn't there it's like where where the hell do you go from here yes and yet and yet there are many books that deal with the same sort of ideas but they do them in a very different way, don't they? So, you know, I'm currently uh, reading as Riley, um, is it Riley Sager's new one? I can't remember what it's called. Oh, yeah, The Only One Left. And that's a sort of gothic thriller. Yeah. And, you know, I think maybe, you know, reinventing the thriller and sort of those genre bending ones, maybe that's the way it's going in the future. I don't know. But... Yeah, I think you've really um, nailed that, Leslie. And I think that um, we've both what you've both discussed is already like the, where were the evolution of the thrillers is coming from, because you've got the prickly characters that you mentioned loving Nikki. I think we see so many more unlikable characters now. And I think that that in itself is a real draw. And yeah, the other yeah. one is, like you said, how the hell is a reader going to pull this off? Like Will Dean's The Last Passenger, like... Mm. how how he does that 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 is what draws you in it isn't just this mm-hmm. concept of wanting a twist at the end anymore that's not enough we have to from the first concept have them drawn in I think we yeah. want to be impressed maybe that's what it is I mean Susie Holiday's new book I mean about the street and the house that was sort of I'm going to completely butcher this uh, definite uh, description of it. you know the house that was the people that weren't there that were supposedly there and I think you you pick it up, don't you? Exactly as you say, for the how on earth do you do you resolve this? And of course, resolve it in a way that actually makes sense, because we can mm. all wake up from a terrible dream. But that's yes, I think thrillers live or die by their ending, don't they? How they are resolved. I think we remember the endings of thrillers much more. You're so right. And actually, there are examples of thrillers recently that I've read where I've loved them all the way through and raved, been saying to my husband, I cannot put this book down. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Get to the end. And it's just that terrible. I mean, we all have it, don't we? Sometimes that terrible sense of letdown. Either the twist is just hammered on for the sake of it you know just to be clever and it just doesn't resonate and I always find that the 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 editing process I always have to work a lot harder on my ending than any other part of the book that's it takes the most effort I think rewriting the climax and the resolution to get it just 
Right. Because that is the aftertaste, isn't it, that you're left with, I guess, at the end. Also, I by the time um, I get to that bit of the novel, like I'm so bored writing it that I usually have to take a <laughs> break before I write the ending. So yeah. it's like, I, it's so I will write a bit. So I hand in quite short, but I'll write to about 65, maybe 70,000 words. And then I'll pause. And when I go through my second edit, that's when I write the ending. Otherwise, I'm just. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I do something similar. I, I tie it all up afterwards so I remember yeah. I, re- I reread it to know what I'm supposed to tie up like yeah. all the stupid yeah. red herrings I've put in me I know my last line before I start writing my first line oh, wow. oh, so I just so I mean it's almost you know I sort of see it it's funny it's isn't really it I was with somebody actually she was um she wants she wants to start writing and she was like you know what is your process so I was telling her she's like oh my god you know I could never do it like that and I said but that's the thing about writing isn't it we all write in different ways yeah, and there's yeah, no in. right or wrong yeah. it's just what works for you but yeah, yeah. I feel very uncomfortable if I didn't know where the story was well let's see, I know where it's going but I just think and I I know the twist but there are lots of red herrings that I'll forget about oh, yeah. woven yeah. in and they're the ones I need to make sure I tie up at the end so and that is because again you know we've read books where there's been a, a thread that's just been lost it hasn't yeah. sort of, and not everything has to have a bow at the end of it. Yeah, I'm really interested that you said that you know your last line, and I think that really can help. I mean, with the last line of the rumor, which you know a lot of readers really loved, and you know said it was a real shock. Um, That to me, that came very. um, That took me by surprise. It just came very suddenly. I was just sort of riffing and writing, and suddenly wrote that line and thought, "Whoa!" And I think when you can do that to yourself and surprise. Self. that's a really yes. good point isn't oh, it? it's wonderful well, who was it who said and I always pretend it's me but it's not really that <laughs> <laughs> the first draft is a story you tell yourself yeah. I love that idea someone smarter than me that's for someone's sure. smarter. <laughs> we, say, we don't know who let's was it Stephen King? The first draft is the and what about what about um twists when they are done for the sake of it just staying on twists for a minute because they are such an important part I mean are we can a psychological thriller work without a twist do you think no and that's so we're kind of sorry but we're kind of stuck aren't we like if, if yeah. I picked up a psych thriller and there wasn't a twist I'd be annoyed and it's you know and I think we it's really easy for us to forget because we read so much yeah. but most readers read, read maybe one or two books a year when they're yes. on holiday over the summer they're yeah. not you know as bored of twists as we perhaps are. yeah yes <laughs> yeah so I mean I don't know about everyone else but I found that it's not just a case of having a twist now it's having the twist and then having another twist and then that has to change like that's what you thought the twist was and actually this is the twist yeah. it's like the final page changes everything you're so right so for my new novel which is all the little liars I had a twist and I was so proud of this twist and it's just, you know I, I can't say too much obviously I don't ruin it but I was going to leave it at that because it wasn't right at the very end. And um, my editor said, but you can't leave it there. You have to. Another like, twist. Yeah, it's the double like, twist. Not to forget that we have a mid-book twist. Yes, yes, exactly. Well, I, th- I think um, Gillian Flynn ruined it for us all with Gone Girl. Yes, <laughs> she did. But she didn't have, did she, a final twist with Gone Girl? She had the midpoint. Yeah, there kind yeah, of was. I don't know. I don't want to say what the ending was because people might not have read it. But yeah, there was kind of. I was going to say, I think it's such a shame that we we do feel that we have to come up with ever more twists because, Mm. you know, by their very nature, I think psychological suspense books, psychological thrillers are, are, 
a slow burns in a sense. And it's yeah. that gradual realization that something is wrong and that unsettling feeling that we get yeah. as readers. And I mean, I can't think of any offhand, but I mean, I, 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 I can enjoy a book without a twist if it gives me the creeps and I know I know what's happening. I know the danger, but the but the protagonist doesn't know it. Yes. And it's, you know, and how how is she gonna when is she gonna realize and what is she gonna do? Or he, it doesn't have to be a she, it could be a he or a they. Yes. <laughs> but you yes. know, just sort of when when are they gonna realize and what how are they gonna get out of this? How are yeah. they gonna resolve the situation? So, you know. I think it is possible to write a good psychological thriller without a mega twist if it's well written and if it's a story that you, you can really yeah. empathize with the characters. Let's, let's stay with that a second because I think you're bringing out a really interesting point. So, one of the things I wanted to explore, which might sound trite, but I think it's interesting, is what actually is a psychological thriller? So, my head oh, is Twisty Turny, but actually, I don't know. I think you partly put your finger on it. It's something that's very unsettling, isn't mm. it? that we can yeah it's it's an everyday situation isn't it that you you find yourself in or as a you know you can identify with when you're reading and Mm. then then you realize it's not quite right and there is something wrong and so it's sort of I think it's a book where you can really relate to the character like in a high octane thriller car chases and bank heists and you know kidnaps and all that sort of thing for most of us, that's quite hard to relate to or identify with because that's not kind of the lives we, that we live. But if it's a the realism, then we're saying yeah, isn't it? domestic mm-hmm. setting or office or something, we can maybe identify with it, and then we can we can fully sort of relate to the protagonist. And okay, question: Say you have a protagonist that you can completely relate to. We can imagine being friends with her. We can imagine being this person or him, as you say, or whatever. Um. But we take it out of the domestic arena and we put it onto a big canvas, for example. Can that be a psychological thriller or a setting? What sort of canvas? Big scale, big scale, I don't know, politics. I mean, not as you were saying, Leslie, car chases and explosions, that's clearly not. But just more big picture. So um, yeah, I think I think you can if you still have the claustrophobia of your main point of view character. Mm-hmm. I mean, claustrophobia for me, it, and I don't mean like physically, but that feeling of being trapped in someone's head is very much a big part of the psych thriller for me so I don't know if you still maintain that feeling and that closeness of character maybe yeah maybe how's the parliament mp I don't know something like that what do you think Lauren well I agree like and Sarah Vaughan did it didn't she with reputation oh yeah and you have quite a normal what you sense is like a a mum who you can Mm -hmm. completely identify with who's taken on this role to be like an mp and 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 coming at it from that perspective you can't identify at all with the political spectrum but you can sort of see where she's coming from and her choices she's making for Mm -hmm. her family so yeah I, I think it can work and I think that that's what we're seeing a lot more of is taking these characters that we can identify with and want to read about but throwing them in some completely unsettling and a new scenario and mm. uh, we're seeing a lot of reality tv books coming out aren't we so the yeah. um the villa where um by ruth kelly where they you know you're a normal person and you're being put in this um villa on tv with all these um people watching you know you're seeing oh, a lot of that um, I, yeah, I know, but it's it's so fascinating isn't it it's you know it's the love island era of yeah. of everything's in your face i think but still as nikki was saying that's bringing out the claustrophobia of course so that yes. was almost like a lot room again isn't it yeah 
sort of mashup. And what about, I mean, it's interesting that we're, as you say, we're seeing this, this evolution, you know, the type of books you're talking about. Where is it going to go from now? Are we, where, what is the future, do you think, for psychological thrillers? Well, that's a big question, Victoria. I'm making notes, by the way, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> you guys did this brilliant episode on trends, didn't you? On, um, on yeah, yeah, that was with Ruth Kelly, actually. And she that, was, that was really fascinating because yeah. um, as a journalist, she sort of always got one eye on the news. And the same as Sarah Vaughan, when we interviewed her and other journalists, and they have such an astute understanding of the news stories and the landscape, the so- social landscape that we're living in. And I yeah. think often and then sense what might be coming around the corner. So we're seeing at the moment these sort of feminist um, serial killer books coming yeah, out. Well, that, that's so, yeah. three years back, we had Me Too and we had a lot of anger about how we were all feeling and being treated as women. And, mm. you know, now we've got this. So I think you can see we're going to be, it keeps building from that, I think. Also, the readers, you know, we, we, there's co- continually new readers, isn't there? Because yeah. you know, we, having sort of, you know, got to a certain age and read so many books, we might be getting sort of tired with certain ideas and want something new. But there are always fresh readers coming so along. True. And so I don't think that domestic genre will ever completely go out of fashion. No. I'm sure it won't, because that is so much a, a, a part of everybody's lives. And um, there's a continual influx of new readers aren't there so that's very interesting actually so and actually Nikki of course made a similar point didn't you about um I can't remember which but you're talking about but this idea that you know we we read so much and therefore we're not actually true readers Mm. but we do see and it happens doesn't it after every London book fair there's an article in the Guardian or the bookseller whatever saying oh psychological thrillers they're on the out people are bored of them and then the next year they're still the biggest selling title and I'm like trying to square that circle. It's like, why is it? Is it exactly that, Leslie? Is it that actually the people who are predicting the trends are not the people who are making the trends? So to speak? Yeah, I think I think yeah. that's absolutely right. Because we've often, you know, sometimes you'll 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 come across a book and you think, oh, this has been done before, and it's being hailed as a great original yes. twist, a great yes. original. And you think, hang on a minute. <laughs> yeah. Many people they won't have read the books that came out twenty years ago, so for them it is new and exciting. So I, I mean, that doesn't mean we should continually rehash things. Obviously, we've got to keep one eye on the future and emerging trends and things. But yeah. I, I think we shouldn't sort of throw out the baby with the bathwater. You know, we, we've got yeah. the sort of tried and trusted does work, but it's doing it in a slightly new way, perhaps, and bringing and yeah, it. It's it has to be fresh for Sorry. us as well. It just yeah. has to be fresh for us as the writer. Like we can't. I wrote three. Um, anxious mother books on the trot and I had to I had to go somewhere else after that because for me I was like oh I, it could yeah. be any character I'm writing at one point in a book I was like well, who is this character because it's the same yes. is it not the same and so I think as writers yeah. we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to find something new but part of that isn't just about the reader it's yeah. about keeping it fun and enjoyable for us as well and it's got to be the minute it starts yeah. to feel like a drag it's not working yeah. is it yeah no I agree but it's interesting as well I had um I did a, it was actually um it was a Christmas time. I think I did an interview with Jeffrey Deaver, which was absolutely fascinating. Because he's written about what twenty or thirty books, and he really knows his craft. And we were talking about this idea of you know same ideas and everything else. And he said, you know what? He said there are so many books at the moment coming out about I know islands or whatever it is. But I guarantee they will all be different. Do you remember at school those um those homework assignments? You were given like a first line of a story. You know, the woman woke up in a room that wasn't the room she'd gone to sleep in or whatever it is. And if we were all, 
if we were all given that that one liner we would all which is you know it's like well that, that's the story you know this person's done my idea if that's what they came out with but we would all go and write a very very different story even from that mm. yeah sure, and I find this actually is an anthology couldn't it for, for authors a bunch of authors to get together all with the exact yeah. same opening line should that do that project, Victoria. Next time I do that next year, get us all in. You had it first on Crime Time FM. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also think the psychological thrillers, like I do sometimes wonder whether they get really disparaged because they are quite female books as well. Mm-hmm. Like when my debut came out, I remember one of my first eyewitness, and it is like a blend of PI and um, psych thriller. And I think one of my first reviews, 2017, 18, and she said, your standard paranoid female thriller. And I was just sort of like, cool. But also, you know, I do wonder whether there is some sort of, you know, psych thrillers are written mainly by women. They're read mainly by women from what I can work out. um, And publishers back this up. That's who they're advertising them for. I do wonder whether that's why they get a bit of a kicking as well. Interesting. Very possibly. Okay, talking about kicking, let's wind up with this question. Covers. (laughs) Covers. <laughs> We've had lots of kickings over covers, haven't we, on, on, on various platforms. Um, what kind of covers scream psychological suspense? What kind of tropes are we rather sick and tired of? Where do we need to see these going? Do you think? There was that year, wasn't there, where it was always the girl in the red coat sort of running. Yes. And it was like a dark grey and she was in the centre. And it was sort of more silhouette with a red coat. And then yes. it was a yellow coat. And that, yes. that, I that remember the yellow room. coat. That was um, and the doors... Can we not have any more front doors, please? Oh, <laughs> yes. yes, the dark window with the silhouette. I mean, I've got, yeah, I've got two myself off doors, so I'm not um, criticising. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. it is, it was a trend in it, it, you know, and you want it to scream psychological. Thriller, yes. Because you want those readers. So there, there's mm. nothing wrong with having um, a, a trend, I think, with um, covers. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, from the writer's perspective. Let's yes, we'd like that. something a little bit different. <laughs> Colour is important as well, though, isn't it? I mean, isn't it... Um, their appointments all yellow and pink or something yellow and then white and blues yeah it's funny yeah. isn't it how like they don't all get together and decide this do they but they just it all comes together doesn't it as a mm. color sorry that's my dog groaning in the background i think she's tired of these <laughs> well, the covers are, are, are fascinating though aren't they i mean i for, for the apartment upstairs which used to have a different title when it first came out well before it came out rather before it was analyzed it was called this girl that girl and they did a the publishers um created a cover for me and i absolutely loved it and the backman's head and she was sitting on the top deck of a bus and it was quite creepy because it, it, it there'd been all the sort of sarah everard stuff and you know the me too and so the lone woman traveling at night you could see it was a rainy night and i thought it was really creepy but then you know they send these things to focus groups don't they publishers what do you think of these covers and and people thought it was too you know um woman on her own maybe sort of sensationalizing this the sort of the, the lone female and the which which was kind of it was because the books yes, you know one of the themes of like the is misogyny you know so yeah. but then we changed it and I said oh, I, pl- I don't want a house I don't want a house with a light on at the window yeah. not that there's anything wrong growing up fantastic books with houses with lights on, in, on the cover but <laughs> I thought it had been overdone um and in the end, we got, um, you know, I think for the hardback, it was a set of stairs, internal staircase for the apartment upstairs. And I quite liked that. I mean, I did like it. I liked it a lot. But I really liked the cover of the paperback, which was an apartment block. Yes. Um, even though the apartment in the novel isn't in a block at all, it's actually oh. in the top of a large Victorian villa. 
But I think that's the thing. It doesn't actually matter. The cover is what draws people in and it doesn't have to be exactly reflective of the story. I don't know what others think of that. (laughs) I think that that is an interesting point. Yeah. What about you, Nikki, and covers? What's your pet peeve? Um, yeah, it's the woman walking away, I think, and the yellow coat. And, and the coat. I mean, and the coat. <laughs> yeah, it's the yellow where there was just so many of them, wasn't there? But yeah, I mean, the due date has a house on. And I walked I in, um, I walked in Tesco's and I was like, and it's also yellow and blue, I think. And I walked in and that seems to be everything that's yeah. out at the moment. So I was like, you know, You're right on trend, then, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I mean, and, and I'd never really, I mean, there's some back and forth on covers, but ultimately, you know, I'm, I'm probably not going to get my way necessarily on them so yeah but I don't think it's our job is it aren't they I mean like you were saying Lauren you just you need to be signaling to the reader what the book's about yeah exactly yeah and it's it's we are the writers of the story and Mm -hmm. there's a whole team of people who know the market and the industry who are doing the covers and I'm like if you think this is the one to sell that's fine by me like whatever I personally think about it I am more than happy to always go with what the uh, publisher will say. Because I think I that's more... right. It's knowing what our areas are. I mean, title's the same. I mean, I always, I don't know about you, but I need to have, I need to have a title to be able to write the book. Oh, yeah. I, I remember it goes through like eight titles. Time. Yes, I also think. So Truly Darkly Deeply was, um, God, it went through so many. It was the killer's kiss at one point. And it's so oh different. Truly Darkly is better though, but yeah. It's much yeah. better. And it wasn't until I changed the title that the books, I mean, this is when I was writing it as a draft, the book sort of came together for me when it was the kids yeah yeah it's like it almost dictates to us maybe as well I think Ian Rankin said that didn't he like he always has the titles his it was it him I'm sure I saw him interviewed at Quine Fest and he said that I never think of them until oh, later on oh no so I Nikki McKay book so and so yeah just just book book <laughs> yeah. I work in Scribner so I tend to see like three different drafts so it goes through various different titles but I, I don't get to keep them often to be honest yeah. like I actually do I think I've kept all not really good at titles though oh. it's yeah, I think the ugly truth was the one that was mine. I never thought we'd keep it, and we did. I love but, that. Um, That's a good title. She yeah. says she's my daughter, which came out like it's like a real what it does on the paint tin, isn't it? Yeah. Title, which was never one that that was on my list. But they know what they're doing, so I don't. They uh, do, and you know, reader, when you think about how many books you're in a bookshop or whatever, you've all these other books on the table. You've got it. How do you make yours stand out? Yeah, yeah, so difficult. I mean, that is a problem I think whatever your genre isn't it yeah yeah exactly so you can understand the, the importance of mm. it. Yeah. I was thinking of um it's not a psychological thriller but Laleen Paul's The Bees you know that book and it, I think it because she was on the Faber Academy course with me she was in a different group and I think that started off as is it I don't know how to pronounce this is it gynocracy or gynocracy and And then I then it was going to be I think it was going to be the fear of August which I thought was a brilliant title then it ended up as the bees which seems sort of reductive but actually it really worked as a title because it is all about bees it does what it says on the tin I mean it's a great literary novel isn't it but it was shorted for the the woman's prize I think as was her recent the pod you know so those simple sort of Mm. Titles. That's I mean, interesting I can... though, because psychological thrillers often are the something, aren't they? 
Yeah. Yeah. It was actually looking at your, you know, all of you guys, the, the books, you know, the, the rumour, the due date, the other. Yeah, and, due date, and we actually had loads of back and forth about that as well, because it was, you know, obviously it doesn't really make sense. Nobody really says the due date. It's your due date, due date, you know. Oh, yeah. So there was mm-hmm. loads of back and forth between me and my editor Lucy. And it, we've just like, sort of came to the conclusion that it's stronger. Just works better for the genre, even though it doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but it, but it does. When you're picking up a book, it tells you exactly what it's about. Yeah. 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 I guess that was another another good reason not to have this girl, that girl, because so many books have the type of the word girl in or did. There was a yeah, whole that's, that was a, that's so another people, common but trait, the thing is, it? Yeah. But, but it is, I quite like that title as well. Me too. It's intriguing, yeah. I also yeah. like Fear of August. If she's not using that, I might have to steal it for something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is <laughs> really good. The title of our anthology we're going to do, guys. Um, <laughs> all right, so last question for you all. You are stranded on a desert island and you've been allowed to take because, of course, you knew you were going to be stranded. That's the way this story works. Um, <laughs> you have one book with you. What book would you want that book to be? Oh, Do you I don't know. want to go first? Oh, you can, you can go first, Laura. No, no, go I don't want to go first. Oh, you go first. Go first. Yeah, I, can copy it. I, would, um, I would take the Final Friends trilogy by Christopher Pike, which I reread like once a year still. Yeah. Leslie? Do you know, this is going to sound a really sort of... Um, Poncy answer um because I'm not a huge I know it sounds ridiculous I'm not a huge fan of Shakespeare but uh, but I would actually take the complete works of Shakespeare if I was on a desert island because I haven't read all of his plays I've read some when I was at university obviously and studied those ones but there's every single sort of human emotion in those stories and every you know like jealousy and desire and murder and all these sorts of things and so many different novels and plays have been have come about as a sort of retelling or a reworking so I think that would keep me endlessly inspired to come up with stories of my own if I work my way through Mm -hmm. that and I'd have a long time so I'd need a lot a big book (laughs) yes yes exactly use it as a raft if things got (laughs) too desperate (laughs) (laughs) how about you Lauren well assuming I can just take a blank book so could write my own book which I think is probably what we'd all prefer to do Um, I would probably take a Stephen King books he was sort of the author that got me into thrillers um you know I read him as a teen prolifically Um, I haven't read all of them and there's one I haven't read The Stand because it it gave me nightmares (laughs) but it's quite a big book so I'd probably take that one or um, Misery is my favorite maybe that one Misery I like I mean the complete works of Stephen King and you'd be sorted forever. Oh, but also like um I've I've I'm I'm rereading the stand at the moment. I've got an audible and you can only get the unabridged version. And I think even the so he's got a new version where he's added back all of the old edited out parts. Wow. So it's like it's so long, like oh, hours and hours and hours of it. Um yeah, right. I, it's so great. I love it when you get a long audiobook then because you really get so do what, but, Yeah, it, it will last a while. But I, I too had never read The Stand and, and watched the televisation on Prime recently, which was really good. Actually, I've just remembered on Desert Island Discs, don't they automatically give you the complete works of Shakespeare? I oh, can't. they do. And the Bible. You get and the Bible. So I'm afraid we're not quite so generous. So we're not so help. generous. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think I would steal the complete works of Stephen King, having heard that. Yeah. <laughs> you have irons that near each other and you can pedalboard to them. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Guys, you've been wonderful guests. Thank you so much for joining me on the sofa today. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. It's been lovely. Thank you. Thank you. 
You've been listening to On the Sofa with Victoria on Crime Time FM. If you've enjoyed the show, please do subscribe, rate and review on iTunes and join in the chat on Twitter using the hashtag on the sofa with Victoria or drop me a line at Victoria Selman. I'd love to hear from you and hope you'll join me next time. <laughs>